0: Remember, this is coming from a list above titled podcast tips, not rules, tips. Big difference between a rule and a tip. I'm not telling you this is how you do things. I'm nearly suggesting this is how you might want to try it. <laughs> You know, he's, he's very, you know, he's, he's a very entertaining guy i <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> manufacture as much as possible in two weeks, two, weeks, two, weeks, two, weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, two weeks, I did a podcast for four years, it had nothing to do with pinball, nothing to do with pinball, nothing to do with pinball, nothing to do with pinball. And, and, and you know, he's a very entertaining guy because... You know, he goes out of his way to find controversy. So the winner is... So, the winner for the 2017 Twippies Award for Best Pinball Podcast is... He took my job. He took my job. Yeah, I do a better. Oh! Kaneda. hear this <laughs> Pinball Podcast! And also probably the most controversial podcast no, in sure. pinball. can fight the friction! Did you think Canada's Pinball Podcast was just going to go away? It's not like you have other pinball podcasts out there to listen to. There's only like 30 other ones filling the airwaves. But no, we're back, and we're gonna do what we always do on this show. We're gonna give our commentary on the pinball hobby. We're gonna have some interviews every once in a while. Uh, but I would love, I would love on this episode of Canada's Pinball Podcast to just jump right back into it. I want to give you guys my thoughts on what I've been seeing going on in the pinball hobby. You know, I have to be honest. I took like four weeks and just didn't even pay attention to pinball. I'm going to talk a little bit later on in this podcast about what it was like going on a pinball hiatus. But before then, before we talk about that, let's go down what I've been noticing in the pinball hobby over the last, let's say, four to five weeks. And what I'm going to do to make it easy, we're going to go down the list of manufacturers in alphabetical order, and I'm going to give you my point of view on what has transpired since this show uh, went off the air. All right, how's that sound? You guys with me on this? All right, let's do it. We always just get right into it. So, American Pinball. Let's start with our friends at American Pinball. So here's the deal with American Pinball. Here's what I can tell is happening over there. Houdini is being manufactured I'm not sure how well it is selling. You know, it's always hard because we don't get numbers from these pinball manufacturers to know whether or not their title is successful or not. Um, I would assume that it's doing okay. I, I bet it's not selling one to 2,000 units easily. Um, but heres I don't want to talk about Houdini because it's out. We've given our opinions about Houdini. Uh, I still think it's quite a challenging game to get into. I would not have designed the game to be as difficult as it is, but that's not what I want to talk about. What I want to talk about is I really do think that these guys are getting ready to release Oktoberfest as game number two. Now, maybe they're just fucking with me. Maybe they're just fucking with you, but I cannot, for the life of me, Imagine a world in which Oktoberfest Pinball, out of all the themes that you could pick from, out of all the um, themes that you don't have to pay money to make a game based on, they're going to do Oktoberfest. And the reason why I think that is going to happen is I've been noticing sort of Josh Coogler sort of defending Oktoberfest as, as, a, as a worthwhile title and theme to pursue. Now look, I'm just going to go on the record and say the following. If American Pinball makes Oktoberfest, it will not sell very well. This is not what pinball needs right now. And, I, and, I'm, and again, like there are those out there who might say, Chris, what are you talking about? Like If the game is good, it doesn't matter what the theme is. I tend to disagree with that. Uh, I just don't think the sophomore title from a company like American Pinball is super, super, super important because you need to remember one thing. American Pinball is not like spooky pinball. They are not trying to be a boutique company where all they have to do is sell 150 or 300 of a game uh, to be successful on that game's run. This is a much bigger operation. There are many more people working at American Pinball. There are goals and ambitions for these titles are not to sell a few hundred they are to sell a few thousand and Oktoberfest is just not going to get it done I mean I thought it was like a joke at first but now I think they're serious so I just think they should if I were them I would actually open it up to the community about the possible titles that you're thinking about making for game number two and use the community to do a little market research on whether or not it should be Oktoberfest or maybe it could be something else. Maybe it could be, you know, something based on, I don't know, like Vikings or something based on uh, ninjas and samurais or whatever, whatever. You know what I'm saying? You could just make a game based on so many different things. And I'm not sure Oktoberfest is where I would uh, invest my time, money, and resources to make a game like that. And this is just me. This is just Kineda saying you make an Oktoberfest game and I'm not buying it and I don't think most people are going to be that interested in the game either. All right? All right. Let's see. Chicago Gaming Company. All right. The the delay of their third title continues to be what everyone is speculating about and we also got the news again sorry guys that some of this is like old news but it's new for me because I'm back in the in the saddle Uh, Doug moved over from Chicago Gaming to Stern and so there's been a lot of speculation about what that means about whether or not Chicago Gaming Company still has the licenses to do everything they wanted to do look I think this delay is is pretty interesting because it, they were supposed to reveal this game back in February at Texas Pinball Festival. And since then, it's been nothing but crickets. I mean, there hasn't even been anything other than that one pinball show where they said Monster Bash remake was going to be a prize that they gave away. Then they quickly yanked that post down. If it is Monster Bash, all right? if what we get is Monster Bash and there has been this much delay on getting Monster Bash out, I think people might be a little disappointed. I think the, the, the delay has led some people to think maybe it's going to be Cactus Canyon uh, or a game like Big Bang Bar, a game that could really use updated code and software improvements. So is that why the delay is happening? I don't know. But what I do know is this. Every month they delay, I think, makes it harder and harder for these guys to sell these games. And it's simply because the market is getting so very crowded. And I'm not quite sure what the future holds for Chicago Gaming Company, especially since they lost their the new business development guy, which is not a good guy to lose The Stern. all right? It's not a good guy to lose The Stern. So I hope we see the game soon. I heard it's going to be in the next few weeks. Uh, but again, I heard that a few weeks ago. So what is going on there is anybody's guess, all right? Um, let's see. Circus Maximus is next on my list. And I might be missing some people here, but I think I got everybody. So Circus Maximus, you know, these guys are remaking Kingpin. And I was just on Pinside today, and I saw the thread, and, and I was reading through it. And I really read through this thread, and I'm, and it kind of just still feels like it's a couple guys in a garage trying to remake the game. Uh, They were supposed to remake Python Angelo's uh, pinball circus game. They never accomplished that. And now they're remaking Kingpin. I know we saw the prototype. But what I think these guys are doing is I think they want to get a final prototype completed. And then I think they're going to shop around uh, for someone to manufacture the game. And we all know that if Kingpin gets remade, uh, people are going to want it. It is, I actually think out of all the old games that never saw the light of day, I actually think Kingpin is a very interesting title. Uh, It's nice to look at from a a design and layout standpoint. If I were them, though, I would have redone the art package. I think the art on the game, on the the cabinet especially, just looks like shit. uh, By the way, I'm not going to start cursing a lot more. I think I've been cursing too much on this episode to begin with. I think the art package leaves a lot to be desired. I would have hired a new artist to sort of make it sort of like Kingpin 2.0. You know, sort of like why go through the trouble of updating the LCD, right, and the graphics in the game? Why not also upgrade the artwork, which looks really mundane and amateurish on the actual game itself? If you own an original Kingpin, it, it would have been a nice way too if they had done that to actually keep the original beta units of kingpin to keep them still sort of unique and special sort of like throw a bone to those dudes who own these games that cost anywhere from 30 to $50,000 and then make the new version I also think they're making they don't really have a plan like I I read i met these guys at TPF I played the game Uh, it, it, it seems like they revealed this at a weird time and 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 again the reason I say that is in the pinball world and you guys see this there's only so long you can keep a hype window open before people start to get really tired and fatigued and they feel like they've seen this game for a long time and it's still not available. Uh, a game like Kingpin, I, I actually could honestly see this game not even being manufactured editing time in 2019. I, I just, I, there's no, nothing to indicate that they have a path to manufacturing. All right, and so who knows? Who knows? So that's the latest with Circus Maximus, all right? All right, let's move on to a company that's really been making interesting waves lately. And I think this is a company that all of us initially just wanted to write off and just say they're crazy. They are they must be insane to do what they're doing. Like how could they reattach themselves to probably the most... Um, cantankerous person in the entire industry, it's no other than Deep Root Pinball. Now, look, I I was probably one of the first people out there to just call these guys nuts. That, that, you know, if you're going to start a pinball company, probably the last thing you should do is sign up with John Papaduke and, 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 and announce your company that way. And Deep Root's website was all about legal speak, but a lot more has been happening behind the scenes at Deep Root and i don't think we can write these guys off anymore i don't think you can um just call them bullshitters i don't think they're bluffing per se i still think they have major hurdles to go from where they're at to actually manufacturing games because when i hear stuff like the following that they're increasing their um, warehouse or their factory sorry not a warehouse a factory and they're gonna make it so they can manufacture all the parts required to make pinball machines for the masses. And I think the skill set required to manufacture pinball machines at a high volume, all right, that skill set, I don't think anyone really understands what that takes other than the individuals over at Stern Pinball. Now, if Deep Root hired, Hired senior level people away from Stern who were involved in the manufacturing, I it would make me feel better. I, imagine if they like hired George Gomez. Just crazy, right? No. That's not gonna happen. But you know what I'm saying? Stern has 30 years of institutional knowledge about how to mass produce a pinball machine. And I think Deep Root is coming at this with a new approach, and they want to innovate the way pinball machines are made. And I think they almost have this attitude like the way Stern makes games isn't the way uh, games should be made, and we can make them better, right? We heard all about the quad manufacturing, all that. No one even knows what that means. I think it means like four dudes are on the machine at once versus the assembly line where it's one at a time. But it's really hard to say that Stern is doing it wrong when every day Stern is sending out you know, 50 machines, 75 machines, they're shipping thousands of machines a year and you have a different way of doing it that you know will, will work better. See, I just have a hard time believing that. And I also get nervous because I think getting a game to prototype stage is one thing, but then actually mass manufacturing that game uh, is another thing. and And there's a lot that goes into that that they will never... Uh, they will never know the hurdles until they get there. And that and that's the other thing is like a lot of times we, we quickly slam Stern for their quality and for the way they manufacture and all this stuff. Uh, but when you're shipping so many games and you have so many orders coming in, it's a nightmare, right? Like if Spooky Pinball got a thousand orders tomorrow for Alice Cooper's Nightmare Castle and those orders had to be f- fulfilled within a year, uh, the company would collapse. They They, they couldn't do that volume. Um, so that, that's interesting that, that Deep Root is sort of scaling up and saying they're going to do all the manufacturing in house. All right. Now, the whole J pop thing has not gone away. I mean, we, we know that they're going to release J pop's games. I actually reached out to Robert like a few months ago asked about Magic Girl cuz I'm just really curious about Magic Girl. On on a personal level, I'm really curious to see how they uh, tr- change that game to make it work. Like I I having stood over Magic Girl for too many hours trying to figure out what was in John's head, I'm so curious as to how they make it work. I'm also really curious how much John is involved in the actual uh, redesigning of his own games. It, I bet Robert is probably handing these off to new people to just make them work. And here's why. Because I think the only reason, the only reason John uh, was signed on by Deep Root, not the only, but probably, 90, if I'm Robert, 90% of why I hired John is to get access to all the incredible artwork that Zombie Yeti did. Because I still think, that Alice in Wonderland is the most beautiful pinball machine that we have never been allowed to buy. Now, speaking of Alice in Wonderland, Robert has indicated that Alice in Wonderland will be a $50,000 option. If you want something that's super high end and exclusive and rare. Right now, here's what he also said. He said, it's not going to be the only version of the game they offer. Now, I think Robert. I think he. I don't know if he did this because I said you could sell a fifty thousand dollar machine, but I think he misunderstood what I was saying when I said that. Let me let me back up and say this. Do I think you could sell a fifty thousand dollar John Papa Duke Alice in Wonderland pinball machine? And the answer is the answer is. Are you sitting down? The answer is yes. You could. You could sell. To this community, which has many, many, many multimillionaires in it, you could sell a $50,000 Alice in Wonderland pinball machine, but you could only sell that if you only made at that price, if you only made like 10 and you said, there's only going to be 10 of these ever. And I mean 10 like Alice in Wonderland games with zombie Yeti and John Papaduke design and that's it. Like you never make another Alice in Wonderland game and, and you, you, that's it. There, there, there will never be more. You can't sell a $50,000 version of a game when other people will also be able to get the game. It, it's, just, it's just that simple. You know, if Stern had said, we are only going to make, let's say Stern said, we're only going to make 20 Batman pinball machines only 20 Batman 66 pinball machines, right? No pro, no premium, no LE, no super LE. There's just 20 in the whole world. What do you think they could sell that game for? I mean, they sold 80. Think about how, how silly this is, how silly I am for buying one, even though I think it's a great game. They sold 80 machines at $15,000 when the same exact game experience can be had for $8,000, okay? And that's unlimited. Like we'll we'll make as many, we can make 10,000 Batman premiums and 10,000 people are having the same exact experience as people who paid $15,000. See, the the magic in Magic Girl, and this is the only reason why John Papadou got people to pay $16,000 for Magic Girl. And I've said this before, the only place on planet earth where you could experience a Magic Girl is if you were standing in front of one of 16 machines. All right, there's only 16 physical spaces on the planet where you could get the Magic Girl experience, and that's what people were willing to pay $16,000 for. So if you're gonna tell me there's a $50,000 pinball experience, there better only be like five to 10 places on the planet where I can actually have that experience. So. We'll see what happens. I think it's a little bit of like bullshit, but we'll see if that actually comes to fruition. All right. The other thing that Robert said, he did an interview, I think it was with, with This Week in Pinball. Um, he said something interesting. And I think I think Robert's sort of going back and forth. He's sort of, he's doing a little bit of a PR spin with this company where he says something really bold. The community reacts to it negatively. He sort of backtracks. Then he tries to do like a PR move that seems like it's doing good for the community to sort of gain gain goodwill, right? So I saw that he said something about helping out the victims of Dutch pinball and highway pinball, right? And, And this to me was a real head scratcher because I saw that and at first you're like, man, that's one swell move to do that. You know, these victims of both those machines, there are many, many people out there who have lost a lot of money investing in both of those companies and it's put a a, you know a sour taste in their mouth about the hobby and so here comes robert who has no obligation to helping these individuals out and he basically says i'm going to do something for you but he also in the same interview it was interesting he also kind of shit on those people's hopes of ever getting their machines again because he said that he approached both dutch pinball and highway pinball about helping them uh, get their games out. But in order to help them get their games out, those companies needed to relinquish some of the ownership of the games to make the customers whole and they refused to do it. Now, do I think Robert is, is BSing when he says that? I don't think so. I mean Barry and Yop strike me as the kind of guys who would rather who would rather maintain control over this whole thing and, and make bad decision after bad decision, and they don't care if you get your games. We're going to talk about them a little bit more when I go into Dutch, which I, th- which I think is next. So, um, But what I want to say about this, I think Robert's offer to these victims is sort of silly. And here's why I think it's silly. A, he has absolutely no obligation. B, it just seems like we get that Robert is successful and has a lot of money. But I also think when you start to make statements like that, you sound like you're going to use your money in, in kind of a foolish way. And I also, th- the, but the biggest thing, the biggest reason I thought it was is ridiculous is he doesn't even have a plan. He even says it. He's like, well, I don't really know what I'm going to do. Uh, maybe, I'm, you know, I'm going to, it could be anything. He could give them, a, you know, a, a deep root t-shirt. He's like, maybe I'll fly them into shows. Like, uh, you know, is it going to be credit towards a game? And so here's my thing don't ever say you're gonna do something for a victim without thinking through what that thing is you're going to do. Because then you're just basically saying like, hey, like I'm gonna do something really good. I just don't know what it is. And I just don't think you should say that publicly because I think then you're looking for credit before credit is deserved. And I really think that Robert and Deep Root and the folks over there, Um, should just focus on their games. And they don't need to make their company the saviors of all things that have gone wrong in pinball. And I think that's the other thing he's trying to do is like, like position the company as being like, we're more than just a game manufacturer. We are here to like, be the saviors of all things that have gone wrong in pinball. We're not just going to revolutionize and transform the game, like how the games are made. We're also going to heal the wounds of the victims. You know, sort of like, like almost like a, a messiah figure within the hobby. And I just don't think they should make all of these bold claims. I, I, I don't think they've proven anything. You know, like it's, it's kind of ridiculous the amount of talk. You know, talk, 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 talk. We haven't seen anything yet. Now, again, that being said, like, I I really look forward to seeing what they do, but I would just dial down the rhetoric on, on how great and how, like, altruistic this company is when they haven't shipped a single game, all right? Now, Robert also has been teasing this thing that they have, you know, they have licensed and unlicensed games, which is... Again, a lot of talk, and we know what some of those unlicensed games are. We don't know what the licensed games are. Um, And I also know that Robert, through his investigating of which license he can get, uh, he's also at a competitive advantage because a lot of times these studios, they'll let you know if a a license has already been claimed by another pinball manufacturer. So he probably knows who's making what and, and probably like, when they have the license for or how long they do. So that, that does put Deep Root at a competitive advantage. Uh, you know. So we'll see. We'll see what that means. Uh, he keeps saying there's going to be at least three games completed by Texas Pinball Festival, but he also says maybe sooner. All right. So we'll see what that means. Like, does a completed game mean a prototype they're willing to show? Or am I going to be able to buy a Deep Root game sometime before 2018 is up. Uh, I would doubt that. I would doubt that. All right. I did find it really funny. And this is sort of like when I saw this, the, out of all the things I've seen that whether or not I have faith in this company, whether or not I think they're going to design a good pinball machine. What I did love was they had a Ghostbusters foam core of the play field hanging on the wall as a symbol Of what not to do when designing a pinball machine. And I I thought that was hilarious. Because Ghostbusters is probably the worst design game uh, in a very, very long time. But here's the ultimate kicker. When you look at which game earned the most money on location last year. You know what game it was? Ghostbusters. Once again proving that above all. Theme is all that really matters when you want to make money on location. All right. So that's deep root. A lot of question marks, a lot of bold statements continuing. Uh, I hope to get Robert on the show sometime in July. I would love to talk to him about what's going on over there. And I I can't, you know, I look, look, I think out of all the companies, the one that probably has most of our curiosity peaked is deep root. I I think it's hard to deny that. Are, Are you really curious to see what's next from Stern? I mean, Chances are it's going to be just another Stern game, right? Let's go on. So Dutch pinball. Now, look, Dutch pinball is dead. You could check for a pulse. You could try to resuscitate them. This company is dead. I want to congratulate Kim Mitchell on selling his big Lebowski pinball machine for $20,000. I saw that someone uh, wrote that, you know, some idiot bought his Magic Girl for twenty-three thousand dollars when they could have bought his Big Lebowski for for twenty k. And that idiot was me, right? I, I mean, I I probably should have bought Kim Mitchell's uh, Big Lebowski because it actually works. Uh, but to my defense, when I bought Magic Girl, nobody knew. Nobody knew at that time that the game didn't work. That that the American Pinball Magic Girl was going to be such a such a joke. But I want to read a couple things. Because I'm not sure this was even talked about, and and someone sent me a letter from ARA uh, that I want to read for you guys right now. Because this letter is really the reason why the shit hit the fan with a lot of the people who were involved in the um, you know, in the pre-order debacle with these guys. Now hold on, let me let me open up this thing because I, I it looks like it just closed out real quick. Hold on, and I don't. You know, I don't edit my podcast. So like when I have to go find something, I have to go get it. All right, so here we go. Now this letter is from ARA and it is marked February 24th, 2017. All right. I want it's from ARA and it says ARA and Dutch Pinball agreed during the start of the serial production on the price of the pinball machines and Dutch Pinball has paid this agreed price for the first few delivered pinball machines. This price has not been changed by ARA. The production stopped was triggered by the fact that Dutch Pinball was not willing to pay for the already by, sorry, pay for the already by container shipped pinball machines. All right, they have some grammar mistakes here. Basically saying Dutch didn't pay for the container that already shipped. ARA has approximately 40 pinball machines ready to be shipped. As soon as we get paid for all delivered pinball machines and we have guarantees for the future payments, the shipments and production will be continued. Best regards, um, you know, some some guy's name at ARA. All right. Now, I just want to stop there for a minute and I, I want to talk about that letter that came out a year ago, a year and a half ago. And I want to just say, when are we... As a community, when are we, as a hobby group, when are we going to finally just admit and say, you know what, we gave our money and we believed in two guys who have misled us and they've lied to us. And they were called out on a lie when they told everybody that it was a board production delay that was causing uh, their games to not ship. Now look, this is just a letter by ARA. It doesn't prove that they are telling the truth and that Dutch is lying. But Dutch got caught in a lie. And who do you believe? Who do you believe? It doesn't really make sense that ARA would do what Dutch is saying they did. Here's what I think happened. And I think it's pretty easy to understand what happened. Is that Dutch pinball spent money that was supposed to go to people's games on themselves that they probably spent it on all these shows. They probably spent it on marketing and sexy girls and penthouses and flights. I want you guys to do me a favor, go on Expedia and book a bunch of flights from the Netherlands to the United States and see how cheap they are. Now do that multiple times and see how many times uh, that money is then responsible for eating up people's machines. And so I think the money just wasn't there. And when they had to go write that big check, because that's a big check, like 40 machines, let's say 40 machines times, you know, $8,000 a machine or $7,000 a machine, you know, what is that? $280,000 they got to cut them a check for to ship those games. Do you think, what if, you know, what if the money's gone or they didn't have enough? You know, they couldn't then go raise new revenue. And that is why these companies fail. It is why Dutch failed. It is why highway failed it is that the numbers don't add up. And what sucks is you get lied to. And the problem is within the community is that you believe the lie because all you want is your game. Like you don't want to wake up in a world where you're not going to get your big Lebowski pinball machine or your alien pinball machine. And so you have to believe the manufacturers. And the other part is this, you don't want to upset the manufacturer too much because just in case they're right, you also in this weird way have this fear that they're not going to then sell you a game because you've pissed them off. But what really pisses me off is that all this time has passed and Dutch is clearly like right now they're, they're basically a dead company and Whenever Barry and Yop communicate to buyers, they're communicating to people who never got what they paid for. They always communicate in this really sarcastic, like irreverent tone of voice. Like they think it's a joke, you know? And they use all these like jokes from the Big Lebowski movie. Like, you know, I saw someone was like, like threatening them or saying something, how they want their money back or this or that, or they feel like they were cheated. And they write back like, you're not being a dude, dude. Like really, really like they really think it's appropriate to talk to people like that. And I want to read their last correspondence to the community. And you tell me if this sounds like a company that is taking responsibility for what they've done, if they really feel bad and sorry for, you know, basically taking people's money and delivering them nothing over a period of years. And now the outlook looks really bleak that anything will ever happen. And this is how they talk, right? It says, how you doing there, dude? Ah, not so good, man. One of those days, huh? Well, a wiser fellow than myself once said, sometimes you eat the bar and sometimes the bar, well, he eats you. That's about how we felt a few weeks ago. You will understand that this situation is extremely frustrating, not only for you, but also for our distributors and also for us. We are now awaiting the lawsuit with our former contract manufacturer to get you and us compensated. And then there's another like quote that says, so yeah, man, we could be sitting here with just pee stains on our rug. And then it says Seattle 7. But like the dude and his friends, we won't give up, and we are not alone. There is a group of pinheads who call themselves the Seattle Seven. They contacted us because they want to start a GoFundMe campaign to help us with funds for our attorneys and to start the production with our new contract manufacturer, Zytec. We are very, very grateful for this initiative. As soon as there is more info about this campaign, we will inform you as well. In the meantime, we are working on a solution with Zytec on how to set up production pending the lawsuit. And then they go on to write about specials on their page. like they're selling stuff from this game, like translates and aprons and all this stuff. They're even selling a pre-production or, yeah, a pre-production game of the big Lebowski in a blind auction format. I'm going to talk about that in a second. But I just want to say this. The fact that these guys have the audacity to even allow people to set up a GoFundMe page to help them pay for their attorneys. First of all, let me say this right now. If any of you out there who listen to this show, if you're thinking of donating money to paying Barry and Yop's legal fees, you are a freaking moron, right? A moron. If you want to take more of your money And throw it into this dumpster fire of a project. You have nobody to blame but yourself. And I think, I can't tell if they're telling the truth or not, but I think anyone, anyone who wants to give these guys more money to bail them out of a situation that they put themselves in, that person is even dumber than these guys who run these pinball companies into the ground. All right? wise up, wise up. All right. How many strikes before these guys are out? How many? All right. Okay. Now let's talk about this silent auction. Cause someone emailed me. They say, Hey Chris, like, do you think this is a good deal? It's already at like 13,000 euros. I think it's now at 15,000 euros. The reality is this. Would you ever buy a pre-production version of the big Lebowski pinball machine? All right. So first of all, this game, and we're going to talk about games for sale like Magic Girl and, and Big Lebowski. This game has nothing but bad mojos surrounding it. All right, More people didn't get their games than got it. There is nobody that is going to help you with customer support if anything breaks. And this game breaks, and it breaks a lot. And if you play it a lot, you better just play with one hand while the other hand's got its fingers crossed because it's going to break. It, it, there's, and when it does... You're fucked. And so all it takes on these machines is for one thing to go down and the enjoyment of owning it and playing it will evaporate. And the only reason you would own a big Lebowski is so when people come over you can impress them that you have a big Lebowski. I mean, that's it. With these rare games from these failed companies, that is the only reason to own it. Uh, you, yeah, you, you could say because you enjoy it, but let me tell you, it's not enjoyable playing a game that has no customer service waiting if something goes wrong because it's pinball and things go wrong. But here's the other part. It's a blind auction. Do you believe these guys when they say, oh, the bid's up to like 15,000 euro, 18,000 euro? Where? Where is this auction being uh, regulated? Who's monitoring it? Are we just taking their word that they that they have someone bidding that much, and uh, you know th- they're probably still bidding the thing up themselves, and I I just wouldn't buy anything that has anything to do with this game if I were you. Again, everyone I know th- this kills me too because I still consider the Big Lebowski to be uh, one of the most uh, exciting games that when when we first saw it. I still think it has one of the greatest worlds under glass out of any machine ever. The bowling alley mechanism was amazing. I would have loved for this company to have succeeded. I would have loved to have seen them do like a Back to the Future. I think out of all the companies that came out, they actually made the best... Uh, game to compete with like the kinds of machines that Stern makes. All right, It was standard body. It had a licensed theme that was perfect for the pinball demographic. It had so many toys and bells and whistles in it. And it was really something special. And I can tell why you guys fell in love with it. Uh, but ever since that love affair began, it's been nothing but a nightmare following the production of this game. And so I think everyone just needs to... Understand that this thing is over. All right, it's over, and if you want to keep supporting it and you want to hope that you get your game, uh, I can't remove hope from you. Uh, you can you can hope uh, all you want. I just don't see them coming out of this lawsuit with anything other than an announcement that unfortunately our dream of making a pinball machine is over, and and it sucks, but. The hobby will be better off without Dutch and Highway Pinball, which is my next company. So Highway Pinball's dead. I mean, we, we, when we left, we sort of covered the, the, the funeral and the, the aftermath of Highway Pinball. It is still dead. Nothing ever will come out from Highway Pinball again. But there has been some news that's been interesting that we have to talk about. So first and foremost, Oric Lawson finally got his game and he got his game, and he did, this is a tale of the smart man and the dumb man, and the smart man is Eric Lawson. He gets his game, and he does what any smart man would do with a machine that is just another ticking time bomb, a machine that you just never will enjoy owning because of all the negativity surrounding it. He sells it, and he doesn't just sell it for anything, he sells it for thirteen thousand dollars or maybe more. And he gets rid of it immediately. And I, I actually I actually applaud Oric Lawson and I, I really enjoyed reading his very honest and very candid feedback on why he could not enjoy this machine. I mean, think about it. You've got Dave Sanders, who designed the game, who is telling everybody there were compromises made in designing this game that they're not happy with. That they're just not happy with the final product. You have the artist who did the art for the game, who's not happy at all with how things went down. He's not happy with how Andrew uh, communicated with the licensor, he's not happy about the final product that um, you know that 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 ultimately ended up becoming the game because of all the the miscommunication that was happening and that if only they were able to communicate directly with Fox, it probably would have been a much different kind of game. Uh, but it's also just like the two years of shit or three years of shit that he had to put up with. He would never be able to enjoy it. I mean, it sucks. The people closest to that game want nothing to do with it. So he sells it. Now that's the tale of the smart man. The tale of the dumb man, because I read this too, goes to the people that are buying these games. And I saw that Iceman, out of all people, Ice, you'd think he would have learned a lesson by now that there, that, that like, You have all the information you need in this world to know that owning an alien pinball machine is nothing but a frustrating, shitty experience. And what does Ice do? He goes and buys an alien pinball machine. And you know why? Because Ice, he suffers from the same sort of problem that all collectors suffer from. They really want, they have that fear of like missing out. I want to have the thing that people talk about. Like, I love the theme. I need to have it. You've got to separate some of that from the reality of the situation. And, 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 I, and I know that he was trying to buy like, I think it was like Brian Kelly's machine or John Kelly's, some, some Kelly's machine. for And he didn't want to pay 13000 So he ends up buying one in Australia, of all places, probably from Wayne. And now he's got to ship it all the way from Australia to Texas, hoping that it arrives in one piece, hoping nothing's wrong with it. And you know, look, I... I think it's a silly move. I would not want to own either the Big Lebowski or Alien Pinball Machine because, as a Magic Girl owner, I'll tell you when you own a game that has nothing but negativity around it, that has no support, all you're going to do is be frustrated with the ownership of it and you're going to pass it on to someone else. I am the luckiest man in the world that I sold my Magic Girl for $20,000, all right? The luckiest. I mean, I was almost going to be into two Magic Girls for the tune of $50,000. And that was like the dumbest, basically the dumbest decisions I was ever making in my life was right there. And I think what's going to happen to all these alien owners, and I see the threat of these guys who are like trying to get these alien machines working right. It's such a lost cause. The game was designed wrong the game was designed incorrectly they didn't have the money and the resources and the time they needed to make this game work properly and i i love it too guys will open up an alien machine they're like oh my game works my game's working great everything's working fine except for the xenomorph head doesn't work at all it's like there's always that but but this doesn't work but that doesn't work but this is out this is out you, you know how dumb it is to own an alien machine where the main toy the xenomorph head like, w- won't work or is a ticking time bomb. The thing is a joke. It's a joke. Here's what I think needs to happen. I think that someone needs to go get the alien license and make an amazing fucking alien machine. I think they need to do the Geiger art package on it. They need to like actually go on DeviantArt and look at all the amazing artists that are making alien artwork. And I think they need to go to Fox And say, look, look, this guy fucked the whole thing up. Let's reconcile what happened with that machine and make the alien pinball machine that the world deserves. All right. I think someone needs to go do that. Robert Mueller, I'm talking to you, brother. All right. But it's dead, and anyone who buys an alien machine, you know what you're getting yourselves into. I just, I, I wouldn't pay five thousand dollars for an alien. I, I, just think it's, again, when, when a machine goes down, it, it's a paperweight, and I think that's going to happen to all those alien machines out there. And I wouldn't want to own one, uh, no matter, no matter, even like no matter what the cost, because I just think it's stupid. All right, all right. Home pin. We're gonna, we're gonna keep this under an hour. Don't worry, we're only at forty-five minutes, and we're back. We're, we're going through the news. So, Home Pin it hasn't shipped yet. It's been five years since they announced this game. The he's got some like pre-production models on route. I don't really have much to say about Thunderbirds. Uh, the theme still does nothing for me. I think Mike's calmed down a little bit. I haven't seen him go off as much recently. I, I do think he's finally realized that you have to sell Pinball machines to Americans. All right? And to do that, you can't be like an anti-American racist bastard. So hopefully he's learned that lesson and he's, you know, he's dialed it down. Uh, the response from people playing the game seems to be lukewarm. Uh, there's just nothing in this game that seems like terribly interesting or that special. Uh, but it's also a cheap game. It's five grand, All right, Now, five grand feels like a bargain. It feels like, you know, great until you realize like a Stern Pro is also five grand and and comes with a color LCD and you know yada, yada, yada. And even though he got the price low, I I still don't see how you buy this over a Stern, especially with the themes that Stern is cranking out. But we'll see what happens. Uh, I am shocked that the game is still not shipping. It just these, these, some of these things, it just takes forever for them to come out. And and that is one of them. All right, let's go into Jersey Jack Pinball. Uh, you know, I, I thought by now we would have a little bit more of an update on whether or not uh, Pirates of the Caribbean would ship. Uh, I got to be honest, uh, I'm just sort of, I've lost all excitement around this title. Uh, out of all the things coming out in Pinball, I, maybe I just need to play this game. I, I, it, it's, it, it sort of boggles my mind, though that by the time Pirates of the Caribbean will ship to customers, it will have been almost nine or ten months since it was revealed. And I'm sorry, but Jack said to us, I would not reveal a game until it was ready to ship. Nine to ten months later, we still don't have the game out. And I don't understand the reason for that. I don't even want to speculate. But hype in this Crowded pinball market is a real thing. And I think that hype for this game is gone. And I don't know how you get it back. I think the game is probably going to be, you know, another Jersey Jack game. And by that, I mean there's going to be so much about this game that's great. There's going to be so much about this game that you wish was a little bit different. um, But I just keep feeling like jack needs his ghostbuster he needs his game with the right theme at the right time with the right features and he's just everything's always like just a couple things off and it's a shame I would rather see Toy Story ahead of Willy Wonka. I think we're getting Willy Wonka first because he has all the rights to Willy Wonka and we're going to see movie clips from the original film, which will be great. You know who needs to be on Willy Wonka? Is Christopher Franchi as the artist would be perfect for Willy Wonka. Um, We're going to talk about Franchi and Stern and what the F is going on over there. All right, let's go to Multimorphic. So P3 Multimorphic uh you know i I actually interviewed jerry a couple days ago i'm going to air that for you guys later this week so you'll hear all about that so i'm not going to go too much into multimorphic um you know basically jerry is sold out right now if you order one it's four to five weeks to get it Uh, you know the volume's not big they're building their company very very slowly uh very much like spooky they're biting off as much as they can chew and they are getting, you know, feedback from early adopters. And so, you know, my feeling on Multimorphic has always been the same, that it's it's a huge leap and the theme and the games are ultimately going to drive people to that platform or or drive them away. And, you know, it's everyone who pre-ordered their game got one though. And I think you have to start, you know, just applauding any company out there who gets customers their games. I, I, I think this hobby doesn't always need to you know, just crap on everyone who's trying to make pinball machines. Uh, if you want to make a pinball machine uh, and you want to sell it to people and you take people's money in full, then you better get them a game. If not, you should get the fuck out of this hobby. I mean, it's that simple. Uh, and, and, and Jerry has shipped to all people who pre-ordered and paid in full a game. So that's good. Um, I think people wait to see what happens on that platform. It's been around for a while. And, you know, it, I I look forward to seeing what goes on it. I mean, I, I, I have fun playing it at shows. I, I think networking and connecting those machines could be a real differentiator in pinball. I, I think that's, you know, it's crazy that we play a game like pinball and it's not networked, all right? All right, Stern Pinball. So Stern... Uh, you know, look, they're the big dogs. I saw that the Deadpool image leaked. I did not leak that image. I know there was like speculation. The image leaked shortly after I went away. But I did not send that image out there. All right. Iron Maiden continues to be selling like a juggernaut. I've heard from distributors. They can't keep these things in stock. Uh, I think it's great. I think Stern has a hit on their hands. They know it. You know it. Everyone is enjoying the game. I'm, I'm happy. Keith um, Keith's game that he made in his own time with his own dime, um, is turning out to be uh, one of Stern's best titles. So that is great. Now, will Deadpool be the moment at which we realize that we're right back to Stern Games as usual? Or will Deadpool be equally as special? It's going to be funny because Deadpool also features the artwork of Zombie Yeti. So we have the same artist back to back. Um, But will... Will it have the same sort of uniqueness that we get in Iron Maiden? Uh, I'm not sure. If you looked at the leaked image of the Deadpool, it do it, you can people are saying that's John Trudeau's, but you've also got like Gomez's like you know, his sword lock like on Lord of the Rings on the right side. So I don't know whose version that is. I I I, I how could you tell, right, if it's Gomez or Trudeau? Uh, I, you know, is there something I see in that game that makes me go, wow, not really. But again, it's just a very early prototype. I, I still see they're using like the same kind of ramps that are in Batman. So is it going to be a parts bin game? Or, or is it going to be something in that game that really makes it worth owning? They definitely missed the mark on launching this Deadpool game. I mean, you, you got a Deadpool movie out. Like, why isn't the game out when the movie comes out? I, I just think it's sort of weird to have a Deadpool game come out months after the movie comes out. And then it's not even based on the movie. It's based on the comics. So I don't know if Deadpool is going to be a a huge seller. I I, I don't think so. Uh, What else? So I've noticed like Guardians of the Galaxy. And there's been like code updates. And this is another game where I feel like Guardians of the Galaxy is suffering the same thing that happened to Batman. And that is basically you get one chance to launch your game and for people to get excited before they move on to the next games coming out. And Guardians to me is that, where I get that the new code has made the game really enjoyable and people who own the game are enjoying it. I still don't care (laughs) because I, you know, it's like I've played so many games on Guardians at bars and whatnot when the code was so limited that I now have to go back and play it again. And I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it's great. And I think people who own it will enjoy it. But I think Stern is ultimately gonna learn the lesson that when you ship these games incomplete, uh, you may never get people excited again for that game. It doesn't matter if a year later it's great. You know, Batman too, like I'm curious how Batman is selling because I do think Batman is now a great game. It's crazy to think Batman is still not done. And in October, it will mark two years of which that game was revealed. Two years. Almost two years from the game shipping to people too, with like completely just like Spartan code. Uh, you know, I own an SLE and I got to say too, two years and Stern has still not given the SLE owners their personalized callouts, which Adam West did. And, you know, you pay, imagine paying $15,000 for, uh, or like $150,000 for a special limited edition car and you had to wait sort of two years for the headrest. That's what it feels like. It's just like, it's just, this. like, why can't they just code, give 80 people the code they spent $15,000 on? It's just, it's beyond me, but. The game is great. You know, I played the new code update. I'm having fun with Batman. I enjoy it. Uh, nothing's has has broken on my machine. I've had nothing but a good experience with the game itself. Uh, I think Batman is one of those games where, if it wasn't so damn expensive, I think more people would be in in it. I think they'd they'd go buy one. All right. So what else is going on in Stern? So here's the thing, and and I know I'm leaving this to late in the podcast, but there's been some controversy and some weird stuff going on with like Stern and Christopher Franchi. And he puts up a post saying, uh, my pinball career is over like news to come at 11. And then I saw that post has been taken down and I tried talking to him about it and I'm not sure where things netted out. Uh, I, I, I know this, I know this. Um, if you are working for a pinball company and I want to just give this advice to people, because there's, there's a reality of being a professional. and there's a reality of working in an industry, and part of that reality is you are going to get information and access to things that only um, your eyes should see. And I think what happens in this hobby is that a lot of people get excited when they're working on projects and they talk about like stuff they're working on and they you know and they, they get excited. And it's pinball, right? It, it. I mean, part of me is like, I don't think anything in pinball should be that secretive. Like, does Stern really think they're Apple, right? Like, their trade secrets really matter. Like, Stern is not publicly traded. They don't have, like, a stock price. They don't have, like, it, they're not going to get really hurt if people know that the Munsters is coming out. They're not going to get hurt if people know... That Beatles is coming out because we know those two things are coming out. We have confirmation now that Deadpool is coming out. Is any of that information going to hurt their sales? You know, and so, you know, Stern is like this company that has decided to pretty much try to keep customers in the dark because they do know that that hype window is so important that they are they are the masters at driving hype in the pinball hobby. And we see them do it time and time again, right? I mean, to the point where like, you know, someone's buying my Iron Maiden LE off me for $12,000 because of that hype. A month later, you can't get $12,000 for Iron Maiden LE. And they're still available new in box. You can still get one for less than that, all right? Now, my issue with Stern lately is, is, is obviously the fact that like Stern's blacklisted this pinball podcast. I mean, way before any incident happened at any New York, like, tournament, I reached out to Zach Sharp and I was basically told nobody from Stern will ever come on this show in the near future or like not, not. he didn't say it that stridently. He was like, it's just not the right time maybe in the future. Uh, and you can imagine, you know, what I, what I feel when I then look at other pinball podcasts out there and Stern is doing interviews with these people. So here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to do. Because I, I, I'm a negotiator, I, I'm a communicator. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell Zach and George like we're gonna, we're gonna engage in a little game of give and take. All right, and here's what we're gonna do. Because I think it's only fair that if they don't want to give anything to me, the the number one pinball podcast, as according to the Twippies, which absolutely means nothing. Uh, if they don't want to give anything to me or let anyone talk to the show, you know, they blacklisted, they, they kept Zombie Yeti from coming on, they won't let Keith Owen come on, Zach Sharp won't come on, they wouldn't let me air the interview with Jared. If they, wanna, if they don't wanna give me anything, then I'm gonna take something from Stern, okay? And so you might be asking yourselves, well, Canada, what can you take from Stern? Well, it's simple. I can take from Stern the element of surprise. I can take from Stern um, their hype away from them because I can share with you what I know about future titles. Okay? I can share with you more than they would like me to know about future titles. And I'm but I'm not see, I'm not gonna do it yet. Because I wanna hear from Zach and the people over at Stern that listen to this show. If they're willing to give me anything, if they want to come on the show. And I, look, I've always said, I own a Stern machine. I've owned two Stern machines. Okay. And I bought through a distributor. I mean, I'm, my money's going into Stern's pocket. I've been nothing but positive for the most part of Stern Pinball. Um, but being blacklisted by them and, and this whole like, we won't do anything for you, Chris, but we'll do it for others. That's where I sort of draw the line. And I, and I say to them, cool. If you want to take that approach and, you know, then cool. Then I'll, I'll, be the, I'll be that disruptive, controversial figure that you want to label me as because I don't think I, I am. And I think when you listen to my interviews, I, George Gomez, go back and listen to our interview together. Go back and listen to the great interviews with Christopher Franchi, the interviews with Zombie Yeti. Listen to them and tell me. That we can't go on this guy's show. Alright, so we'll see. We'll see. Let's see this. I'm gonna give Zach two weeks. Two weeks to um to respond with and and figure out something we can do. And if he doesn't, I will take something and reveal something about Stern that you would love that's really juicy. Alright? Alright, cool. Alright. It's not a threat. It's not a threat. Maybe it's a little bit. Who knows? But they can't do anything. I didn't sign any NDAs, so we're all good there. All right, what else is going on? Spooky pinball. Then we're going to close down soon because uh, you know, this isn't this isn't a head-to-head pinball. We're not going for two hours. So spooky pinball. TNA is selling well. Alice Cooper is going into production. I don't know if they've sold every single Alice Cooper. I doubt it. I doubt it. I doubt 500 people have given them $1,000. I bet they have a list. Of 500 people that want it, I bet they've gone down that list and asked for the deposits from maybe the first I don't know 100 or 200 people, uh, you know, because they have to order the parts, and that's when it gets real. Uh, but I doubt they've they've made all 500 people pay. Uh, so that's going on there. So game number one actually shipped in June. The end of June, like the last, I think game number one is going to Alice Cooper, and I I think it shipped the last day of June, Um, so that is great. You know, here's the thing about Alice Cooper, and and I've been saying this, uh, I think you guys out there who put $1,000 deposits down on the game without ever playing it, man, you guys are like kind of crazy, and I'll say why. Spooky has never really shown this game off properly. There's never been a video. Uh, It's like they act like we live in a world where there's not like HD cameras and Jack Danger could come over and set up like his rig and you could actually show people what they're investing in and what they're putting a deposit on. I think the game looks beautiful. I just don't think people really have all the knowledge they need to know how the game plays, to see the code, uh, and I think we live in an era where you really shouldn't sell something that, you know, you're not really giving people enough info to act on, but it's not Spooky's fault because they can do what they want. For those of you out there who are putting deposits down and you're not sure, there's something wrong with you there, right? Like why? Why? No one's forcing you. So once again, we have this fear of missing out, continues to be a, a common theme in, in in making people act a certain way in the pinball hobby. All right. So, but I'm excited. I think TNA sort of has blown everyone's wildest imaginations away. It's really, really critical that they sign that game up to give them more time to make Alex Cooper a better game. And I couldn't be happier for Scott Denisi and, and Charlie and company that, you know, they made the right move. And I think what they the lesson they've taught people is that you can't just always do things according to your plans that sometimes you have to call an audible and sometimes you have to look out there in the world and say, Hey, can we find another game that's ready to be made and put it into production? And can we get sales there? And you look, that game sold better than Charlie's first two efforts. And I know they're working on a new Scott Denise game, but there's like no details on that. So, I think it's good to, you know, Spooky is still in the game. Um, we'll see how the game plays soon. It's going to be interesting if people are not loving it and people's deposits are locked in, how that goes down. All right, a couple more things that I want to just talk about my quick hiatus and then we'll let you guys go. Um, so I saw that there was a Magic Girl for sale. We already talked about the 21, oh, so, sorry, there's a $21,000 Big Lebowski for sale. Uh, this guy saw Eric, um, sorry, Kim Mitchell sell his for 20K. for the big Lebowski. Again, if if you, if you're a multimillionaire, that probably means nothing to you. If you're a pinball collector that wants to have a pinball machine that has a story to tell, whether it's a good story or not. Um, you know, you could go in on that kind of game. I, I, again, in my time off from this hobby, the more I step back, the more I realize that you know, $20,000 for a pinball machine is just ludicrous. It, it just is, especially one where you're not going to ever have support and one that has such a negative story attached to it. Okay. But making it even, making that listing even more comical is someone is trying to sell their Magic Girl for $25,000. Now, let me, let me, let me stop for a minute. Buying a Magic Girl now for $25,000 when you know that it's broken, it doesn't work, and it sucks. Like, let me just repeat that. Magic Girl sucks. It is the most beautiful turd on planet Earth. It sucks owning it. I know you can set it up and like people come into the room like, oh, wow, yeah, that looks awesome. And you're like, yeah, but it doesn't work. It sucks. It's designed poorly. Shots go nowhere. You can't start a multi-ball. The, the stupid outlanes on it are way too wide open that the ball just drains left and right. The, the spinner on the left side by the outlane, the jinx doesn't do anything, doesn't even grab the ball. The, the levitation chamber doesn't work because they didn't put the ramp to... It, it goes on, but it doesn't catch the ball. It sucks. And what's funny about this listing is the guy says, it's 19 of 19. It's the last one made. And I just want to tell you guys out there that that guy's wrong they made more than 19 Magic Girls. They made about 23 to 25 Magic Girls, American Pinball did. So 19 is not the last one. 19 is the last of the regular versions they made. Here's what I wanna tell you the reality is, is that they also made some prototypes Now the prototype Magic Girls are the only ones, if you were looking to buy one of the rare Magic Girls that American Pinball made, the only ones worth owning are the prototypes. All right, you know who has a prototype? Chris from Cointaker, that was the one I was gonna buy. I'll tell you why, the prototype, has the original playfield and artwork. The prototype actually has outlaying posts that for some unknown reason, American Pinball yanked out of the game. The prototype actually has two holes in front of the levitation chamber where the like a metal rail goes to create the little ramp so that chamber can actually work. Why that stuff was removed from the American pinball version is beyond me it was a rush job um, the prototype artwork is a little bit different uh, it also has a completely different cabinet artwork it's not the the lion saw it, it's completely different and so that to me is the rare one worth owning but again it, none of them are <laughs> worth owning you know it, it it's just it's just not it's like picking which blow up doll you want to have sex with. So people think you're cool. Like, yeah, I'm sure some are better than the others, but again, like at the end of the day, none of them are worth it. Um, so that's happening in the pinball world. All right. God, well, wow. see, we already chewed up an hour. I want to just give some quick thoughts on, you know, when you take a break from this hobby, and and I recommend that most of you guys who are living in the pinball hobby, who are on the forum every day, I want to just share some quick thoughts about what it was like just, you know, taking a break. So first and foremost, um, I think pinball is a great hobby. I think the passion that you guys have for this hobby, I I think the conversation around these pinball machines, uh, there's never a dull moment. And even when I started reading Pinside again, it was just it's just funny to see uh, how much people react in this hobby. You know, I, I bet like in the Lego hobby, people are not going on to the Lego forums being like, you idiot, like you put the brick in the wrong place. You more like, no, like there's no hobby where people are as at odds w- with each other, <laughs> quite like pinball. But I also want to say that that's not exactly a true um, painting of this hobby And what I mean by that is most of the vitriol and most of the drama and most of the controversy and most of the negativity, it really just lives on Pinside. Like you don't don't encounter it anywhere else out in the world. So like if I were to spend a month going to pinball bars and pinball shows, I would really have nothing but a good time. And so it all comes back to... When you spend a lot of time on a forum that is inundated with certain individuals that have just too much time on their hands, and they really, really, really thrive on on just you know stirring the pot, it, it creates a lot of negativity. And and, and 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 but in a weird way, you need those individuals on those sites to make it interesting. See, that's the dilemma of, of like this podcast, of of just in general, of covering a hobby where there's not a lot of news and there's not a lot of talk about, you know, the the, the on pin side, the, the thing people talk about the least, and you'll notice this, the thing they talk about the least is actually playing the machines, right? Isn't that ironic? It's like all this hoopla around like speculation and this, and we need this in pinball, we need that in pinball, and then machines come out, and then people just stop talking about it. It's like all this buildup, to that moment, it's like it's like we're all just addicted to the reveal of a game, the game comes out and ultimately it's just another pinball machine. It's not gonna change your life, it's just a toy, it's not gonna make your health better, it's not gonna improve your relationship with your wife, it's not gonna make your kids like you anymore, it's not gonna make your neighbors more impressed with you, it's not gonna bring you new friends, it's just a box of lights and a steel ball rolling around. Right. And I think a lot of people who, who live on these forums, they create almost like too much of an importance of, of what these machines are supposed to do for us. I mean, they're really not going to do much, you know, and when I took a break, I, you know, I kind of felt like people treat me like I need, I need pinball. Like I, like I need this podcast. I need this attention. I, I thro- it's, it's not really the case. I say for me, I would say pinball probably eats up about 10 to 15% of my week or my time in terms of like where I spend time on the internet and doing this podcast. Uh, But when I let it go, when I let it go and I stop reading Pinside and I stop engaging, uh, I still have a lot of other things that I'm really interested in. And I will say like you feel better when you sort of take a break from all of it because pinball is also a hobby where, when you go out into the real world, most people don't care. I went to France. I went to Cannes. I went to Dublin. I went, I, I traveled. I've been into different parts of the world, and you have to seek pinball out. Like pin, Pinball is not going to be the thing you start talking to a bloke at a bar about. It's going to be World Cup. It's going to be movies. It's, it's not a good icebreaker for 99% of the world. Again, I do like the fact that it's like this niche hobby that um, you know a few people know a lot about, but most know nothing about. Uh, another interesting thing happened to me. So I had two guys come by to install my air conditioning unit, right? So they come into my bedroom and there's my Batman 66 Super Ali. And these guys, like their eyes light up. They're like, oh my God. Now, one guy says to the other guy, he goes, you know, this this machine here, this is a classic. And and I kind of just was like, what? And then I realized, to most people, all pinball is old, right? It's an old toy. It's a toy that comes from decades ago. They don't know that this is a, you know, a 2017 machine that cost $15,000. They see a pinball machine, like a Batman 66, and it literally looks like It came from 1996, right? And that's just the reality of our hobby: is we're still grown-ups living in the past, and a lot of us, a lot of us, you know, we we have a longing and a nostalgia for the way things were, and you know, somewhere along the line, though, we we've all grown up, and a lot of us have more disposable income, but I do. I do want to say one thing, and then I'm, I'm going to get off this soapbox in a little bit and, and let you guys have an amazing 4th of July week. I do want to say one thing. I do think that for the most part, and this is just me talking generally, I do think for the most part, most of these modern pinball games are a ripoff. I think they're overpriced. I don't think you get what you're paying for. I think a lot of these games are priced far above what goes in to the actual machines. And I think the companies that try and put as much as they can in to equal the price um, have often struggled to make it a machine that you really want to own. And, and the thing that I realized too is, I, I, I know there's no way around this because as a marketer, I know why this stuff exists, but the whole notion, again, this is just me thinking philosophically over this month break, The whole notion of like limited edition machine where nothing in the gameplay experience is limited or unique to that game, I think is the dumbest thing ever. And we've, I think everyone just falls victim to the art packages and the things that don't cost a lot to change are what these companies are changing. And then they're charging you so much more money. Um, for a game that you could have the same exact game for so much less because all you're paying for then is some silly little plaque or art package that costs them nothing to differentiate. And I think it's stupid. Like it's stupid that I have a $15,000 pinball machine that I could have the same exact experience for seven, for, for 50% less almost. Uh, you, You know, that's to me, that's idiotic. And I know why they do it. You know, it's like just so guys can say I have one of the 500 or one of the 400. If there's anything I want to see in this pinball hobby, it's I would love to see that things that are supposed to be limited and special actually become that or stop charging all this money. You know, I still see new Stern machines and they all they all look like they should be like $6,000 to me. Like there's just nothing that screams $9,000. And then when I hear there's gonna be a super early of the Munsters, it's like, it's probably not gonna be 15, it'll probably be like 12, or maybe it's a super early of Beatles. You know, it's just $10,000. Like the experience of these machines is not worth it. To me, the only thing that would make me wanna spend that kind of money again is if I knew there were only like 40 or 50 of these in the world and you know, you can't go get the same exact version with just different art. And there's going to make thousands of those. And, and, and that's just it. I just, I, you know, I, I sometimes, I think people, uh, they look at this stuff and they, they just try to convince themselves that they have to have this version. But when you really step back, it's not special. It's just not. Again, subjective right because people are like but it's special to me chris i grew up with batman i get it i get it i get it you know i get it but i just think what you pay the money for the difference should be on the play field and in the experience more than just the art because the art is cheap it's cheap there's so many good artists out there that work for peanuts you know me tattoo artists out there who are far better then Zombie Yeti, Christopher Franchi, all these guys, like the tattoo artists out there, insane, that if you gave them the chance to immortalize their art on a pinball machine, then you could probably talk them into doing it for free if you just gave them one machine. But, you know, somehow in the pinball world, everyone got hoodwinked because Greg Ferris was giving people like the, the worst art packages for like 10 years straight. And then all of a sudden, like one hand-drawn guy that John Papaduke finds and all of a sudden like, hey, games are 50 grand. <laughs> it's like so stupid. Um but ultimately ultimately I just encourage all of you out there and this is for me too. Like you just gotta find balance and like you know, I was really ashamed by my behavior and I was really let down by how I acted and and I was disappointed in myself and I, I, I did a lot of like thinking like well, why why is it coming to this? Like why are you getting to a point where you're acting out like this and you know, you guys listen to my pinball podcast and, and I, I love that you do. Um, but I'm also a human being who, who has my own issues and, and I have my own issues in life and, and personal issues and demons inside me and things I deal with. You know, I've got family members that I haven't spoken to in 15 years because of some few that I don't even know what caught, like a lot of life going on. And you know, we all act in ways that we, we, we don't like and, you know, we can't go back and change the past. Um, but what we can do is, is constantly work on ourselves and making ourselves better. And, and, and that's what I am always trying to do. I Sometimes I succeed, sometimes I fail. Uh, I think all of us are on the same journey. Uh, I also, you know, it's the summertime I consider pinball a winter sport in New York. I want to be out. I want to be meeting people. I want to be riding my bike. I want to be at the gym. I want to feel good. You know, pinball's cool, but nothing makes me feel as good as as being healthy and my body and my mind feeling good. And I'll say this, you can put a lot of like pinside cancer into your head. And you can, you can load your house with pinball machines and still be the loneliest man on the planet. So find that balance and you'll be happy. And, and look, I consider life to be better with pinball in it. I think it's a really fun thing to have in your life as a form of entertainment, but it just shouldn't be the center of your universe, all right? Everyone, I'm glad to be back. I look forward to many more Canadian Pinball Podcast shows. I'm glad you're listening. I thank all of you from the bottom of my heart who sent me notes like, when's the show coming back? Are you okay? Are you dead? What happened? Are you being sued? All those things. All those notes meant a lot to me. If you didn't send me a note, it doesn't matter. If you listen to this show, that is the only action um, that you need to do to show that you support um, this pinball podcast. We do things differently. We, we, we're not trying to be the other pinball podcast out there. There are many other pinball podcasts out there. They all do it their own way. You can listen to whatever you want. I'm just happy you listened to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Everybody have a happy and healthy and safe 4th of July weekend. Do not light fireworks in your hands. We don't need any Jason Pierre Pauls. You can't play pinball if you blow one of your hands off. All right? So be safe. I, I Just be safe, you know grill, drink buds, but don't fuck around with fireworks. All right, everyone. We'll talk to you real soon.